you hate to admit it, but you're starting to feel resentful. One of your friends has you feeling a bit overwhelmed and stressed out, and it's because the two of you are always doing what she wants to do. And if she makes any requests of you, you're bound to say yes. It's becoming mentally exhausting to always have to be so in tune with what she wants and how she feels. But how do you stop? Why are you so prone to people-pleasing? And is your tendency to say yes having a negative effect on your friendships? Today, I'm sharing my interview with the Terry Cole, a popular psychotherapist and relationship expert whose book, Boundary Boss, is so liberating for those who feel a need to constantly self-sacrifice for others. In this episode, she'll explain the signs that you legitimately are a people pleaser, ways that you can speak more honestly, and the secret thoughts your friends have been having when you operate with these kinds of behaviors. And listen, even if you're not the type to people please and you have no problem telling people no, this episode is still going to resonate with you because I'm sure that you have friends like this, and I guarantee it's going to help you understand them on a deeper level. You've probably read a little bit about this topic already on our website, betterfemalefriendships.com, but today in this interview, we'll be exploring it with a little more depth. So, if you're ready to get a little more comfortable saying no without the fear that it will ruin your friendships, keep listening. This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, I got you. I'm your host, Danielle Byer Jackson, a friendship coach, speaker, and author. And when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding female friendship, I am here to help you through it. Okay, well, I'm so excited to have you on the show to lend your voice to this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So, okay, people pleasing. We're seeing a surge of of social media content addressing people who do it and, and tips and tricks and all those things. But I thought we have to have the expert. We have to have the queen of, of boundary talk come and lend her voice to the conversation around people pleasing. So can we start with you giving us a general working definition of what that means, what that looks like? Yes. So people pleasing is basically people who say yes when they really want to say no because they're afraid to say no. People who apologize all the time, even when they're not sorry, even when they're angry. And I feel like most women in particular have a tendency to fall into people pleasing. So how how does one get to this point where they're kind of like suppressing their true thoughts and not being honest about their opinions? Uh, how do they get to this point? What, what happens there to to put them in this position? Well, it isn't like, how did we get to this point? Because most of us were raised and praised to be self-abandoning codependents, to be people pleasers. This is what got us positive feedback in childhood, right? The more self-sacrificing you were, the nicer you are. Be, you know, be a good girl. Turn that frat around, right? Nice. Like, how, how much did most women, most people raised as women, you niceness was like, wow, this was like a virtue above all others. But it actually isn't, because when it's sort of pathological, when it's chronic, when it's compulsive, it's not actually being nice, right? It's being dishonest, because what we're really doing is giving the people in our life corrupted information about who we are, what we like, how we feel about things, all sort of under the guise of being nice. But really think about it. Saying yes when you really want to say no. From the beginning, most of us 
the home training that we had taught us that pleasing others, making sure other people are comfortable, and not necessarily teaching us that how whether we're comfortable or not matters, you know? So I, th I think that it's how do we unlearn what we've learned from the beginning? That is the question. Mm. And, you know, I would imagine that this would be difficult for people to unlearn or even have a motivation to change because it's hard to want to fix something or change something that is earning you such praise, that makes you feel like a good friend, that everybody else seems to benefit from. So it makes you feel positively because you're being you're liked and because people are pleased with you. And so I imagine that makes it, it hard to change when you're continually rewarded for it. But here's the thing. If it was only that, I would agree, right? Meaning if it were only that it really did feel good, here's here's what really happens though. We're pissed. We're not known. We're not seen. We're not succinctly or accurately understood. We end up feeling bitter. We end up feeling used and abused, even if we're the ones who sort of serve ourselves up on a silver platter to be used and abused. People start to expect you to be the one that they can count on, you to be the one that they can come to. Um, and I'm not talking about, listen, in, in mutual friendships, I count on you, you count on me. That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about it, it's more of a problem when you're sort of the, always the one who's overgiving and overfunctioning and making sure that everyone in the, else in the room is happy with what's going on. I've been a therapist for 25 years with predominantly um, very successful, competent women who are crushing it, getting it done. And I would say that having uh, discord or difficulties in your female friendships can be more painful than it happening in romantic relationships. That That's what I've seen. Even women who are in good, healthy romantic relationships might have complications in their friendships. Mm. Mm. And I, I would assume that, or I would imagine that someone that comes from the the tendency to people please. And, you know, as I listen to you speak, I'm thinking now about two impacts that that must have, you know, the individual uh, consequences, which would be, you know, feeling resentful and constantly feeling upset. But I also think relationally as well. And it makes me think about how, you know, you mentioned not feeling seen and the risk of not experiencing platonic intimacy because you are not known and therefore can't experience true closeness with another person because you don't want to be honest about your needs, your boundaries, your desires. Exactly. He, he, this, you know, when we talk about people pleasing, we're really talking about disordered boundaries, right? Disordered emotional boundaries is what the foundation of people pleasing is because it has us prioritize the wants, needs, desires of others the feelings of others above our own. And even though that may sound like it's some noble thing, mm -hmm. it's really not. It's really just straight up dysfunctional because what ends up happening is we are misleading our friends. If, we're, if we say yes when we want to say no because we want to be nice, because we don't want them to feel bad, we're not giving them any credit <laughs> for, for being, you know, it's almost like we're treating everyone like we think they're really fragile 
And I'm super positive after being a therapist for 25 years with this population, you're not fragile at all. You're very durable. And most of your relationships are not that fragile either. So I think it's something that we learned in childhood that it is a, it's nice. You know, and again, it doesn't mean we should be rude. It doesn't mean we should be super self-absorbed. But the truth is, the only person who can make sure that you get your needs met or that you are seen and known accurately in life, in the world, in your friendships, is you, right? No one else knows what you really like. So the way that I lay out your boundaries is that it's about, it's like your own personal rules of engagement, letting other people know what is okay with you and what's not okay with you. And your boundaries are made up of your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers, your non-negotiables. So if we're in people-pleasing mode, we're not sharing our preference if we think the other person has a different preference. Mm. It's almost like we've learned to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, try to be like the cool girl, you know, like, you know me, no fuss, no muss, I'm easygoing, whatever you guys want to do. Sometimes that's true, right? But it can't always be true. The only way it's always true that you never have a preference is that all you want is peace. All you want is to not be rejected. All you want is for there not to be conflict. But it comes at such a high cost. Mm -hmm. As your boundaries are made of your preferences, your limits, and your deal breakers. But those are also the things that make you uniquely you. Mm. We don't share them. You're exactly right. In our friendships, we are limiting the level of platonic intimacy that we will have. And there is not satisfaction in having these surface relationships when what you're really seeking is a deeper relationship. Of course, we all have acquaintances, right? I'm not saying we're going to go deep with all the people, mm-hmm. but your crew, your VIPs, as I call them, you want to be. It is very unsatisfying to be unknown by people that you really love, but you feel like they don't know you. It's like the existential loneliness you can have in any relationship where you f- you're with people, but you feel existentially alone because they don't know you because you're too busy going along to get along if you're a people pleaser and they don't know. Man, that's that's so good. and I, And it's a truth that I hope woman pulled on to because, you know, for the woman who's listening right now and she's like, oh, yes, you're so right. You're giving me perspective about by why this is worth it, why I need to do it. But man, I'm scared. I, I'm scared that uh, of the risk involved. I'm scared that once I start doing this with existing friendships, they might leave. I'm I'm scared that if I start doing this with existing friendships, um, I will no longer be liked or I'll be seen as a bad friend. So what do you say to the woman who's 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 motivated to do this and inspired by the perspective that you just shared, but is so fearful of of what that might mean for relationships if she starts showing up differently? Well, part of it is everything I teach, it's all baby steps because they're the only things that are sustainable. This is what creates sustainable transformation, is small change. So it's not about you immediately being different in your friendships. It's you taking the time to figure out your likes and your dislikes. I will, if you do your resentment inventory, you'll see what friendships, what relationships 
need your attention when I say that. I don't mean you need to like grab a bullhorn and tell everyone there's a new boundary sheriff in town. I'm just telling the truth to everybody. It's not that. The change starts from within where we, you really need to get it. If you're listening or you're watching this, you really need to get that what you think, what you want, who you actually are matters. It's the only thing you have in this life that is unique to you. This is what makes you you. So if you're prioritizing going along to get along, I want you to try on a shift in perspective. What would it be like if you thought, you know what? My preferences matter. It doesn't mean you're difficult. It doesn't mean you make a big deal. If you're the one who always goes along, it means that you slowly but surely say, you know what? Actually, tonight, I don't feel like having Italian, you guys. Let's, can we go to the new Japanese place? That's it. This is not like we're not going around town confronting people or being like, oh, I want to talk to you about what happened last summer. Like, none of that. Because it's that's not productive. Knowing yourself, right? You have to know yourself. The way that I teach it in the book around understanding your boundaries and what you want is we do this big list called the okay and not okay list. And you can do this with your friendships as well, where you're really looking at, or the resentment inventory, because they're basically the same, which is looking at where are you not showing up for yourself? Where are you self-abandoning in the service of, in your mind, being a good friend, not wanting to make a big deal, not wanting to be a drama queen, because we have all these ways that we like, all the, you know, I call them the lies we tell ourselves, to avoid having hard conversations. But your resentment inventory is going to tell you where you're doing too much of that. Because if you're feeling resentful, some need is not getting met of yours. So I'm going to say start there and then start looking at the interactions in that friendship. So if you go, wow, I realize on my list of my resentment inventory, my friend Betty came up a bunch of times. I'm apparently feeling pretty resentful of Betty. Then start looking at what is it? Where do, where do you say Betty is entitled rather than you're not asserting yourself? I'll tell you a quick story about a close friend of mine. Like 15 years ago, we were walking in the West Village and she was she was super nice. She was a total people pleaser, like from soup to nuts, beginning to end. That was her personality. And she was like, I can't believe, we'll just say it's Betty. You know, I've done so much for Betty. And she just called me before you got here. And she asked me for blah, blah, whatever the thing was. And for like 15 blocks, we're walking. And she's just complaining. Like, who does that? I mean, how greedy could you be? Like, so entitled. Blah, blah, blah. Like the whole thing. And then we get all the way there. And I was like, yeah, Kate. She's got some nerve putting you in the position to have to simply say no. And she was like, oh, my God, Terry. Oh, my God. You're so right. <laughs> Well, I just talked about this for 20 minutes. Why did it not even enter my mind that saying no is a possibility? So anyway, I share that story, Danielle, because what happens is instead of us looking at like, what is my 50% of this relationship? When we're giving too much, doing too much, people pleasing, we have a tendency to look at everyone else and be like, that one is entitled. Mm -hmm. That one is taking advantage of me. But as Eleanor Roosevelt said, or some version thereof, is nobody takes advantage of you without your permission. So when we flip it back and go, 
huh, is it's not them, it's me, right? My 50% is saying no, because when you really think about it, that's what it's about. It's not about them, because here's the thing. People can and will ask you for the most ridiculous crap. Taker's going to take, and if you're a giver, you're going to give. And you have to put a limit, because takers rarely do. And when you put a limit, you see you see how that person feels if it's going to be a more equitable friendship. Some friendships are built on the overgiving, super-taking dynamic, you know? And if that friendship makes you resentful, it may not be a life or friendship for you. And maybe it is, I don't know. But Because sometimes when you start setting boundaries, people change. Mm. When you go, you know what? we've been, I actually, another quick story about friendship and entitlement. I had a client who had a friendship with someone. She lived in Brooklyn. This other person lived in Queens. They'd been friends for 13 years. And for 13 years, my client who lived in Brooklyn went to the other person's house in Queens. It's like a schlep. If you're from New York, you don't know, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like annoying. Like normal friendships, you'd be like either meet Manhattan because it's kind of in the middle or every other time. Right. Mm-hmm. And when she confronted the friend and she didn't confront her, all she said was, you know what? I would, I've been coming to you for 13 years. I would love it if today we could meet at a restaurant near my apartment so I'm not the only person traveling. She literally never had lunch with that friend again. Now they talked on the phone, but the friend, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe she had agoraphobia, but the point is, it's like my friend, my client had to decide if that limit, that's a limitation for that friend, is it worth it to continue? keeping it the way that it was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, that is so helpful to like hear those anecdotes because I think we've all been there where we're fussing about the friend who made an ask and not recognizing the power we have to say, actually, no. <laughs> you know, um, so I think we've all been there. And, you know, I'll tell you as the strong friend who doesn't mind putting up boundaries, who's had people please her friends, you know, to any women who are listening, to hear perspective of, of the other side, I actually feel very, um, I feel more safe with a friend who can say her boundaries because I feel like, I feel confident knowing what she likes and what she doesn't. Um, there's there's always a question mark I feel hanging over my head with a friend who's like, yeah, that dress looks great on you. Oh yeah, Italian's fine. Yeah. I'm always kind of secretly wondering like, well, is it really fine? Because I don't want you to be in a situation that you secretly don't want to be in. As your friend, I don't want to know we went to dinner and you kind of hated being there, you know? And so, you know, to the woman who's listening, who finds herself in this position and she's wondering about what her friends might say, there's a chance that they might feel good knowing you more and that they're eager to accommodate your needs as as well as their own and to mesh the two together. So um, it's just so interesting. Yeah. That's so good. And it's so true. Because I was gonna, like, that brings me to, if you're a people pleaser, first of all, your friends know it. I know exactly who my people pleaser friends are, and I love them, but I do not emotionally trust them. You know why? Mm. Because they are not emotionally trustworthy. Mm. That shit is a fact. That's a fact. Meaning, my friend who, I invited one of my friends, I was going to Guatemala for some yoga thing, and I was like, Hey, man, do you want to go to Guatemala in February? She's like, no, nah, I hate hot weather. I hate Guatemala, but have a good time. I actually wrote about that in my book because she didn't hate the people of Guatemala. It's just she doesn't like hot weather. 
she's someone who I trust implicitly. She didn't need to write a mother effing dissertation on why she was saying no. She doesn't like warm weather. That's it. That's her reason. It is in May. She doesn't need to overfunction, apologize. Like, and I it it's so hard, especially when you when you get healthy and you do become a boundary boss. Wow. People pleasers and people who are not honest with their boundaries are so much work to be around. Because just like you said, you know your people pleaser friends. And even if their hearts are in the right place, mm-hmm. but it's dysfunctional because you don't have the accurate data that you need to make a decision. If your friend tells the truth and says, I really don't feel like having Italian, you're like, all right, let's brainstorm. What do you feel like having? Do you want to have an adventure? Do you want to go somewhere new together? Like, there's all of these other more authentic possible outcomes than having someone suffer through a dinner, like you said, that they don't want to be at or they don't eat gluten and they didn't say anything like because they're afraid they don't want to be a bother. You know what is a bother? You not being honest to me. That's a bother (laughs) because I know it, but I don't know what the truth is. I know whatever you're doing, you're making sure I'm okay. And it's so funny as a recovering people pleaser, I am so dialed into this and others where I'm like, hey, stop it. Like, I don't like that. I want to know what you think. I mean, listen, this also can happen in romantic relationships as well. I remember saying to my husband, we've been together 25 years, years ago, I was like, listen, if I'm doing anything that's like bugging you, I would love it if you would tell me because it would, nothing was, it was never a problem with my husband. Like in the beginning, of course, you know, we, we've gotten healthier since then, but <laughs> everything would be, everything is great. Everything is amazing. And I knew it. Listen, I was in school at the time to become a therapist. And I was like, um, it is impossible that there is nothing that I do that annoys this person. It's impossible. And I, if I would bring it up, he would be like, you always want there to be a problem. There's not a problem. I don't, I don't know why. You're looking, you try to pick a fight. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I'm like, no, babe, I actually want to know what I'm encouraging you to tell me. That, and the only thing he could come up with is, I had really long hair at the time. And he's like, you know, when you wash your hair, sometimes hair gets stuck in the drain. Could you take that out? I was like, uh, yeah. And 25 years later, I never wash my hair and don't clean out the drain. But the point is, he, a lot of people will see it the way that my husband did initially, which is like looking for trouble, kind of where here's the reality. I'm looking for connection, truth, honesty, mutuality, um, respect. And if you tell me the truth about how you feel, I feel like you respect me. And if you placate me with pleasantries because of your own fear, I feel like that's a compulsive action you're doing for you, but it's not good for the friendship because every single person listening to this right now, including you, my dear, are so incredibly worth knowing. Because how can anyone authentically love you if you never let them authentically know you? All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. When you find yourself in a situation where you're about to say yes, you're about to accommodate to your friend's requests, I want you to pause, because you don't always have to answer right away, and I want you to think about future you the version of you that lies on the other side of saying yes to this decision. So for example, if you were out with friends and they're kind of playfully pressuring you to stay out just a little bit longer, I want you to think about the you who says yes. Are you going to be tired in the morning? 
Are you going to be regretful? Are you going to be too groggy to pay attention in your company meeting? Think about her and keep her top of mind when you feel tempted to accommodate your friend's requests. I know this is something that some of you struggle with and I'm confident that after hearing today's message, you are more willing to step into a firm and honest role and I wanna support you through it. So you know that you can message me anytime over on Instagram at Danielle Byer Jackson, or you can contact us on the website at betterfemalefriendships.com. Until then, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time. Thank you.